Hello and welcome to episode 43 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Joining me once again is League Freak, who you can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you doing, mate? I'm doing very well, Andrew, and I'm really excited for this podcast. So uh, let's get stuck straight into it. Absolutely. Today we've got a returning guest, which means he's now our second official co-host. Yes. James Smith from Inside Sport. How you going, mate? <laughs> really well. Really good, thanks. It's, um, <clears throat> I've been counting down to this for for ages. It's going to be really fun. Absolutely. Now, uh, I believe Freaky has received an email, which is rare for us, um, <laughs> about some of the things we're going to discuss today. So uh, what's what's the first matter of business there for us today, mate? Well, this is good because I just shut down my email account, which is great. But uh, <laughs> production quality here, mate, is yeah, spot on. Well, you know, I'm going to sack the intern. Um, so the first one that they were talking about was uh, Daryl Eastlake calling the Origin games, which did make them feel a bit special, hey? Oh, Madam says, no, huge. Everyone's got to do it. Everyone's got to do the accent and, and the call, right. don't they? It's so good. Yeah. It, it very much was part of State of Origin early on. And, uh, like, even when I was in high school, we used to do the whole Daryl Eastlake thing. Um, it was a lot of fun. When did he stop calling the Origin games? So it would have been, like, probably the very early 90s, right? Yeah, I think it was 94. Not long after Wally retired. Two kings yeah. left at the same time. I feel like it was <laughs> earlier than 94, though, hey? Yeah. Was was he doing it um, when O'Connor kicked that um, conversion from the sideline? Was that – was is his voice on that soundtrack? Or? It's a good really... question. Because um, that was 91. Um, yeah, so – Actually, yeah, you might be right. He might have stopped in 90. I know he did the 1990 series. That might have yeah. been his last. Yeah. No, it's just hey. so – but you're right, though. It was like, um, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is going. It was like the the, um, <clears throat> the wallpaper for State of Origin, wasn't it? Like mm. you had you had the, the the actual actual game, but like it was, just wasn't the same unless he was calling it and getting over excited about <laughs> about a, a, about a line break and then a pass. It would be yeah. the most magnificent thing in rugby league you've ever seen. But yeah, and you believed it because it was his his voice was attached to it. So it was I've awesome. Got a- I've got a question. Do you reckon Ray Warren mimics yeah. mimics uh, Big Daryl? Because I don't yeah. I don't remember Rabs in the eighties calls doing the the big talk like like Daryl did. I don't think he picked it up afterwards. Yeah, I reckon you're right I, I, because because his commentary became the norm. Like that's how you did Origin commentary going forward. I think you're right, Fergo. Yeah, yeah, yeah it makes me like I'm trying to think. I, I guess he probably learnt a lot from Daryl Lee Slake as well in terms of, and most commentators would have after he called the game. Um, I know that I've heard Ray, Ray Warren talk about um, you get up when the crowd gets up, like you start, you know, cheer, like not cheering, but you sort of rise to the occasion with the crowd and you sort of take cues from them. So I wonder if that's something that um, plays into that. Oh, it's interesting when, because I'm a rugby league commentator now, <laughs> and uh, it's, you, it's you, you've been saying that, but like, where where do you commentate so I can hear you? Oh, I the, commentate on I commentate on Swa Sports. It's Triple Nine FM. Yeah, um, and they do the uh, Canterbury Cup. Um, I've called what else have I called? I think I've called Canterbury Cup, Jersey Flag, 
and I did the Harold Matthews Grand Final, I believe it was. Yep. Um, so just th- those sorts of matches. Grassroots match, yeah. Grass, yeah, grassroots. Yeah, I'm concentrating on the grassroots. Kind of like uh, Mitchell Moses. I don't <laughs> want to do Channel Nine yet. Okay, I'm just focusing on you know Harold Matz and Canterbury Cup. But it's yeah. it's interesting when you do it because it's it's a, it's almost a skill you've got to learn. And uh, I, so I can see where a main commentator, which is something I could never do, where he would be picking up cues from other commentators. And I mean, I guess yeah. before Daryl East, like I mean, who would have been the the main commentator before him? Um, gosh, in, was, in, um, this, in Origin or, or rugby league? Just in, in general. rugby league. Well, in in Origin, they started with um, Billy J. Smith, wasn't it? In Queensland, he did the first few games there because they're all played in Queensland. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's the one. And I loved loved him because uh, he he would he, he'd call under the post uh, the goal mouth. He'd, he'd say that a lot, and you'd think, "Far, I've never heard that term in my life." Yeah, if you watch one of his games, it's he like used to say it every two or three minutes. It was it was hilarious. That's brilliant, the goal uh, mouse. Yeah, I'm underneath gonna, the goal uh, mouse. I'm yeah. bringing it back. Um, the, I, I just <laughs> I, one of, one that I just thought of was uh, who 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 was it before him? It would have been um, Rex Mossett, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was definitely yeah. Rex. He was a bloke who wanted to produce, manage, and, and commentate every single thing he ever did. Is that right? No one else does anything. I'll even do the colour commentary on the sideline if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> you running down the steps. Okay, I'm on the sideline. If you're Rex Moss, you're allowed to uh, to demand that sort of thing, aren't you? And who's, who's going to argue with you? <laughs> That's right. So who would, you, who would you two say is the best commentator right now, best TV commentator? Vossi. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Vossi. I see. Yeah. I, I believe it's Dan Ganane. Ah, uh, in the close second. Yep. Yeah. I, I go Dan Ganane and then uh, Rabs still. Even though Rab, he retired like four years ago, we had a big farewell tour, and then he still calls every week. I don't get it. The John Farrell of commentators. Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about Rabs? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. um, I um, because like with the magazine, I get invited to a lot of. Fox Sports stuff, and um, mm-hmm. I was talking to Vossi a few years ago, and and he was saying to me, like, you know, there's all this talk about Rabs retiring, mm-hmm. you know, and when's he going to retire, blah blah blah, and and Vossi said, Rabs is probably already retired, as you just said, freaky, like he's already retired, like he's doing what he loves, like, yeah, mm-hmm. think of it that way, yeah. It is pretty special when you do the commentary because you you feel like you it feels special. It's hard to explain. Um, like you get to go behind the scenes of everything and you get your own little booth and all that sort of stuff. And it's so, it really is so much fun. Like I can't even imagine what it's like to be flown from place to place to do it. Um, it, it just must be a dream job. Well, the Rabbit doesn't really like the flying part of it though. Mm. Doesn't he? No. no, no, there was actually an article I saw from, uh, might've been Buzz Rothfield last week. He's talking about how, how hard the commentators for Channel Nine had to do it all because they they now have to all fly in economy. They don't have to. They didn't get to fly in business anymore, except Rabs because he demands to be up the front because he hates flying. Right. That was <laughs> such a great piece of journalism. I'm so glad I know that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, as we were saying the other day on the podcast, there were all the journo's that that went over for the state of origin, all, all like hack um, comedians, where they were talking about the flights. 
and what happened on flights because there was the James Maloney story that they come up with, which was just silly. And, yeah, the commentators won. And then there was players who was returning on what flight. And it was like, come on, dudes, get get better stories. We need better than this. Yeah, the the general rugby league fan doesn't care about that sort of stuff. No, yeah, not they at just all. wanted to. Re- they want to. Yeah, they want to read about the players, not what the journos were on and what on their flights and and whether Caelan Ponga <clears throat> caught the red eye or not. And I've seen <laughs> that. I, I didn't care. <laughs> no yeah. fan did. No. no. And no, acting like it was some big thing too. It's like, oh, what were they doing on the red eye? It's like, who cares? Like, I don't care. When they're playing football next weekend, I'll care. But right now, I don't care what they were doing. I just love the fact that Buzz was trying to tell Ben Eichen, you've got to consider what these blokes go through in State of Origin. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, Benny Eichen wouldn't know. He'd just no, been there. And, and yeah. Buzz clearly does. <laughs> yeah, I saw you going off on Twitter about that one, and it was a good uh... call. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can just tell because you listen to it, you watch it back, and you can see I can clearly gets a bit, a bit shirty over it. He just cuts straight to a break, like very coldly. <laughs> okay, we'll be back after the break, and we oh, he's not happy. <laughs> I noticed that too when I was watching it. I'm glad you picked that up. Yeah, because yeah, like, yeah, he did, he did set, did didn't he? He just ended it about five seconds after he said that. Yeah, yeah, like he said, we're not talking about this anymore. Cutting it off straight away. I went, <laughs> thank you, Ben. <laughs> that, was, that was brilliant. I wish that Ben Eichen was a little bit angrier, though, hey? Like, can you imagine if somebody said that to Gordon Tallis or Willie Mason or someone? It would have been fantastic. Oh, I'd love it if you had said it to Willie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's, yeah. Fantastic viewing that would have been. <laughs> oh, yeah. You should have that as part of Controversy Corner is just have Buzz say something stupid to Willie Mason, just have Willie Mason go nuts on him. It'd have to be on after the after, after 10.30 at night, though. <laughs> Get a bit violent. <laughs> They should yeah. call they should call controversy corner. Everyone's dying because it just looks like a bunch of dying people talking about stuff no one cares about. I, I thought I thought seventies opinions would have or eighties opinions would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one um, yeah. talking about commentators. Does Graham Hughes for you guys? Does he still have it? Does he take you back to the eighties and nineties? His voice hasn't really changed the, all that much, has it? Yeah, the nineties definitely. Like, yeah. Every time I hear his voice, I think Channel 10. Yep. yep. Yeah, I, I haven't game. heard yeah. him call for years and years. Is he calling somewhere? Occasionally uh, he calls an SCG game or something, doesn't he? Yeah, they, they pull him out for retro round. Um, but I thought he'd be back because um, they've they've gotten they've gotten rid of that other guy who was um, commentating last year. What was his name? Matt the Mabel? That, yeah. Oh, he, the bloke who got excited every time nothing was going on. <laughs> Oh, and he's passed the ball! Oh, and then he scores a try. But, yeah. Um, they got rid of him, but, yeah, I just thought, oh, okay, they must be bringing Graham Hughes back, but he hasn't really um, done any games, has he? Yeah. No, nah, I think they've moved um, um, Maddie. keep getting his surname. Um, I think they've moved yeah. him in from, from sideline commentator to a, to a uh, main caller. Oh, Matty yeah, Russell. Russell, yeah. yeah. Matt Russell. And I think they brought in Brenton Speed, I think is his name as well. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good. Yeah, I think he's all right. I see people complaining about his calls when uh, on Twitter when he's calling the game, but I don't think he's too bad at all. No, no. He's all right. I think the only reason they put a bit of shit on him is because um, he does A-League as well. I think there might be a bit of residual sort of 
other codeness about him. Oh, yeah, right. he, he but they don't ever go. They don't ever go. Vossy hasn't Vossy caught some N- NBA, uh, NBL games? <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. also he's also caught a uh, a, a uh, Nickelodeon slime contest as well, which I saw on TV last night on the Kids Channel. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting there at dinner. I'm going, that's Vossy's voice. What the hell's going on? It's on the kids. There's kids throwing slime at one another. I went, oh, good on you, Vossy. He's getting kids indoctrinated into what rugby league sounds like at an early age. <laughs> yeah, and um, I interviewed him two years ago or something like that, and. Uh, I asked him what his career highlight was, and he said, oh, um, I don't know about a career highlight, but the most unusual thing that he commentated on was um, Disney's Dancing on Ice at the Sydney Entertainment Centre. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. He's done everything, hasn't he? Yeah. Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah. What else thinking about there, What's that? I said, what else you got on there? Uh, what else did I have on there? I should have brought it up while I said that I didn't have it up, eh? That's what she said. Um, <laughs> what was another one? Oh, the person wanted to talk about, uh, and it was Bartram13, a long-time listener, um, and a long-time follower of the site and every, my site and everything, you know, both of my sites, leaguefreak.com and rugbyleagueproject.com. Um, <laughs> uh, he wanted to talk about uh, toe pokers. Ah, uh, yes. What a, what a forgotten art that is. It's weird when you watch it now and you think, how the hell did they manage as well as they did? Like, it's it's kind of strange that it, it it was for so long just how people kicked the ball. And I guess it changed when the synthetic ball come in. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's like if you showed a young person now a toe poker, they'd be like, what the hell's going on? They would think it was a piss take. Yeah, it's... It's it's because it's completely random, isn't it? Like you're mm. you're hitting a round object with a with a round object, really. Like mm. yeah, and it went. It's funny because when the round the corner came in, um, there's somebody who bought that in. I can't remember who it was. John Gray. Oh, that's it. That's who it was. Yeah, yeah. In the in the seventies, um, when that came in, and I, and I remember watching uh, blokes like Ross Conlon and all those sort of people do round the corner and and um, Courier and all those blokes. I just used to sit there uh, after watching Mal Meninga and, and Mick Cronin and stuff, like, do their toe poking. I just used to think with these round-the-corner kickers, like how, how, like, how can you tell where it's going to go? Like, how on earth can you tell? Like, you're not even – your body isn't even facing the goal when you're kicking it. But that just, yeah, was how prehistoric everybody was about about the new, new way of doing things, eh? Hey? Yeah. It's absolutely spot on because I suppose – Mal Meninga in his early days, too, especially playing for Australia and Queensland, he used to have phenomenal goal-kicking records with the toe-poking. Yeah. There was one game he had seven from seven, and he kicked a few from the sideline for Queensland as well. And you think, you know, he's the best goal-kicker there is. He was probably kicking it about 69% or something like that. <laughs> and, I've, and I've just called him random. You yeah. Know, maybe, maybe he needs me to sit him down and tell him all about goal-kicking. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Thing <laughs> is, though, with the way Mal Meninga was... With the way Mal Meninga was built, and I say this as someone with a wide foot, can you imagine how wide Mal Meninga's foot is, though? It'd be yeah. like hitting it with a you know, couple of cricket bats or something. Um, maybe that helped him. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it probably did, didn't it? Yeah, bigger surface area. You'd think area a, a wider foot, yeah. Like, I don't um, know. Maybe, maybe we should find that out. It'd be great to meet Mal Meninga and say, can I have a look at how wide your feet are? That'd be fantastic. <laughs> Just that random. Would be a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> Can I touch it? 
I'm trying to I'm trying to nail an interview with him down. So I'm going to ask him that freaky. I'm going to ask. Excellent. Him, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be the first and last question I ask, I reckon. Yeah. No, you ask two questions that would really make him happy. Say, first, Mal, can I just look at how wide your foot is? And second, tell us about your political career. And I'm sure <laughs> after that, you would just be so happy to talk to you. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. Just forget his 97 test matches. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Sorry. No, um, and isn't it funny how for all that time that soccer's been around, like and and you know rugby league going up alongside it, like it took until the seventies for somebody to think hmm, soccer does round the corner kicking, and there seemed to be a lot of good kickers in that. Like why don't we try and do the same thing? It just it just seemed to take forever for rugby league to catch on to around the corner style, didn't it? Yeah, yeah and it, it made so much sense to do it when you look back on it. But yeah, it was it just seemed inherently wrong to do it. Yeah, I. I often wonder if there was um, equipment cheating that went on because there was a story back in the mid early to mid eighties where some of the Bulldogs players wore um, shoulder pads that were made out of fiberglass, and that was against Parramatta. And I wonder if a few players may have thought of a different, more subtle one where they just put steel cap boots on so they could kick goals a bit more easily because those big old heavy leather balls, especially when wet, they they could break ankles. Those things. Do you reckon that happened? Do you reckon they? Do you reckon they weighted their boots down? Like, do you reckon? I reckon they might have just put just put a little bit of steel across the front of the toe. Wouldn't have weighed them down too yeah. much. And yeah. players like Mal wouldn't matter anyway because he didn't use he didn't use speed. He just ran through things. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It makes me wonder if back then they had uh, like kicking balls that they'd bring out, like they do in the NFL. They have specific balls that the kickers will will prefer. Um, and I can't remember what, I, I, like, they break them down somehow a little bit before they kick with them. Um, so I, I believe that they're not just brand new balls that they use. They use, like, proper kicking balls that they've sort of kicked in a little bit. Um, I wonder if they maybe were doing that back then with rugby league nah. balls. You don't nah. reckon? Nah, mate. I've heard of, I've read match reports of games in France where, um, in, in practice games and stuff like that, one of the players kicked a, kicked a goal. And it went over into some person's backyard where there was an angry dog in there and they couldn't get the ball back, so they just ended training. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but they didn't have enough for a training session. They weren't going to have enough for a game. Wow. <laughs> and then um, uh, on Vossi's, Vossi's um, The Fan, uh, it was a few weeks ago, there was a test in, in New Zealand, I think, and, yeah, they lost they lost all, all the match balls. And so, yeah, it's, someone, I think, um, threw a, a training ball onto the field this um Fluoro Green thing, and Mal Meninga's gone. He's he's looked at it. He's playing. He's looked at it and 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 said, "Okay, it's a ball. Let's play with this thing." <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> there you go. Rugby yeah. league's ability to adapt. <laughs> it reminds me of when you'd take a, a a ball to school. The person that had the ball was the king. It yeah. was great. Yeah. I remember yeah. playing you... footy with yeah. tennis balls. That's how we did it out west, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. just do, you find whatever you got. Tennis ball, tennis balls was probably the the worst one we used. We would use soccer balls sometimes. Um, I remember we used a gridiron ball, a bright blue gridiron ball, for a long time. Um, that was always fun when somebody kicked it. But yeah, but you, you're right about being the king of um of the game. But you're always thinking, should I hope this ball doesn't pop or? You know, mm. go over the fence where the dog is. Mm. Yeah, 
yeah. Whereas no, nobody else cared about that sort of stuff, did they? It's like, yeah, yeah. not not our ball. That was yeah, that was exactly. the peril of being king. Yeah, it's true. Big responsibility. Yeah. Where I grew up, everyone brought a football all the time, and sometimes when there was um, summertime on, they wanted to play basketball. You had to try and play basketball with a footy. That was a little innovative. Wow. <laughs> Hence why I was so shit at basketball. We used to go to the because the basketball at, at my school the basketball courts were right next to where we play footy. So every so often we would just go into the basketball courts and kick field goals into the basketball nets. Wow. Yeah, we had fun. How many, how many did you get? I was pretty good at kicking those sorts of things. I was good at I was better at um sort of aiming a field goal rather than going for distance. So I was good at kicking those ones and kicking the ones where you sort of stand on the sideline and try and curve them back and around. I was good at those sorts of ones. But uh, going for distance, I wasn't great. That's what she said. How dare you? <laughs> That's mine. You cannot take that. Get the pressure's on me now to come up with one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> See, all, all I was able to do was, was um, throw really long passes. Used to freak her out how, how long of a pass I could throw, but that was pretty much pretty much oh. my, my ability there. So you you were like the Ricky Stewart of yeah your, yeah without the kicking game or the running game or the rest of the game really mm. yeah but I had a great yeah. pass man the passing was phenomenal. What about um talk about Ricky Stewart's kicking game? I've never uh, I've never watched it again because I was so destroyed about it at the time, but. That 1990 grand final against Penrith, Ricky Stewart's kicking game was just phenomenal. I've never yeah. seen a kicking game like that in my life again. It was amazing. Just his touch finders just destroyed Penrith, like, you know, created all this awesome field position that day. It was amazing. Yeah, he was phenomenal. His kicking game was always brilliant. He had such a big bloody boot on him. It'd still be one of the biggest in, in the game today if he was, if he was playing now. Uh, just phenomenal kicker of the ball. Yeah, yeah. There's some yeah. players can just, for whatever reason, they can just boot it. They boot the shit out of it, whether it's technique or power, or maybe they just you get some people with a combination of both. Like I think it, that for a time, Braith and Nasta, he could bloody boot the ball pretty far. He was really good at it too. Um, it's it's just uh, every so often someone just has a big boot on them. It's weird. I think yeah, the good thing, then, too, about Ricky, too, was he was able to find space all the time with it as well. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, it missed, he always managed to make it, you know, something that the fullback or the winger had to turn around for, had to run around for, and oh, just phenomenal. Yeah, for sure. It makes you think about, like, going back to fullbacks, say, probably nearly 30 years ago now. Like, if you took a James Tedesco, halfbacks would be like, I can't, I can't hit the ground. This guy keeps getting the ball, um, or putting the bomb up, like, he keeps to catching it. Like, I remember, you know, I, I still remember when a ball would go up in the air and it was 50-50 if, if the fullback would catch a bomb. And now it's completely different. Like, fullback drops one ball and you're like, oh, he's terrible under the high ball, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was a real skill, wasn't it? Like, to, mm. to catch one of those awful brown, heavy leather balls. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder how old players these days would go with those ones playing with those balls. Well, they ne- we're never going to find out. Hey, like we, we're all calling for um, a proper retro round to be mm. played, or even one game preseason where they do all this stuff. They they rewind 
you know, turn the clock back and do all this stuff, but it just doesn't happen, does it? I'd love to mm-hmm. see it. Yeah. What, what should we do to, to make a proper retro round? I think, mm. we, first of all, we've got to bring back the five-metre rule. Definitely. I I would love to see that just to see what happens. Yeah. Absolutely. I, just, I mean, yeah, the game might end up nil because the attack doesn't have any room, but I just want to see it. Like, just even if it's a, a game down at, you know, wherever, like a, a pre-season game at Henson Park or whatever, just let, let's do it and just see... Because I agree with you, Fergo. Like, and, and in fact, that five meter rule—if you—if you brought that back um, across country rugby league and stuff, like the, the country rugby league numbers are supposedly falling by the hour. Um, if you brought that back to non-professional leagues, I reckon—I reckon a lot of players would change their mind and start playing again. Because to ask ask non-professional players to play by the 10-metre rule, like, that's a massive um, athletic ask, isn't it? Like, it's... Absolutely. Elite athletes, you know, they struggle to do it, and then you've got people who work through the week in factories and on farms and stuff, and you're asking them to cover 10 metres of tackle. It's a, it's a massive ask. Yeah. certainly is. That and um, I'd bring back, uh, let's see, contested scrums and contested play the ball. And make sure Cameron Smith plays one of those games so we can really tell whether he actually is the best bloody hooker of all time. Yeah. But, uh, I, would I, make all of, I would make the front row have to wear shin pads. <laughs> shin pads? Yeah. There's, no, there's no. pictures of the players wearing shin pads. Yeah, that was because the player, the, the opposing players had um, <laughs> had still cap boots on because they were exactly. goal kickers. <laughs> I'm going back. I'm going way back. I'm bringing back shin pads and bringing back the the old skull caps that was like leather as well. I'm making them wear like jerseys that are ten sizes too big for them. So you're uh, also suggesting that maybe we should go further back. Like we're, here we are thinking retro as seventies and eighties football. Are you thinking that maybe we should go back to unlimited tackles? Yeah, I'm going further back than the Wu Tang Clan. I'm going back further than '79. It's uh, I'm going right back to the beginning when it all started. I don't know. I tell you, get you get to kick a goal from a mark. That'll yep. go down with the current the current um, NRL community. Yeah, can what's you with these that? AFL rules in rugby league? Yeah, I reckon <laughs> taking over. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that episode that you did with um the it was like a history of of the rule changes. That was awesome. That episode. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I know um, that uh, I did so much research for that episode yeah. leading yeah, did, to it. Did you get enough credit for that freaky? Or you, you know. I don't think I did. I mean, I just basically researched everything and sent it to Andrew, and I said, just read it exactly word for word, Andrew. And, uh, yeah, that's how that's how this podcast works. Yeah, <laughs> I've got everyone convinced that I'm a historian. For years, I've just had freaky doing it all for me. <laughs> And Brilliant. in fact, Andrew's just someone I hired. He's an actor. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, a, a very poorly paid one. <laughs> you just, uh, yeah, you're just carrying him, aren't you, freaky? Ah, oh, just, yeah, it's, you know. I, I've said all along. I, I just sort of start the show, and then I introduce the charisma and the entertainment after that. And it's my job just to keep him somewhat amused in the in the conversation, <laughs> so he doesn't start talking about other things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the stuff that we talk about off air. Oh man, yeah. Got to want to down those roads. So what? What else? I reckon another thing we could do for a retro round is bring back a retro referee. 
Oh, yeah, like, uh, yeah. Are you just thinking Gummersole straight away? Should, yeah. I'd, I would have been great to see Gummersole. I, I was thinking Greg McCullum. And, I, yeah. and an idea I used in another episode where we talked about a game where referees would play one another. I think I said that um, Buzz Rockfield should be ref in a golf cart. <laughs> I think we could get Greg McCullum in a golf cart. Or maybe on one of those those um, those things that the cameramen use. What are those segways? You can have oh, one yeah. of those. Yeah. yeah. Just go up and down. Halftime entertainment. He could get get a couple married from the crowd. Because he's a <laughs> so marriage celebrant now. I like the thought of um, of uh, Wayne Bennett being the referee because Wayne Bennett's really good when he it comes time to sit down for the rules committee because he sort of looks at his team, looks at what he wants for his team and says, well, we should change the rule to do this. And it just so happens to always be the best thing for his team. It's fantastic. Yeah, like when he, um, when he lost the grand final in Golden Point and then didn't want Golden Point anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like 100%. Yeah, yeah. Just um, just on referees, like back with those blokes like McCallum and um, Stone and Annesley and all those um, referees, they they were bosses, weren't they? Like oh, yeah. the the players never went up to them like they do to the modern refs and gave gave them a verbal. You just wouldn't. You, you just wouldn't go up to Greg McCallum and do that because he would just go. He'd just send you off straight away if you if you did that yeah. to him. I reckon. Yeah. I reckon if we had him mic'd up too, you'd probably, McCullum probably would have said to a few players, stop acting like a dickhead, piss off. And just <laughs> finger in the air with a point to the beard. And the player would just sort of skulk off the ground. Yeah. Run, yeah. run off, don't walk. Like, oh, okay, and they start jogging. You're like being scalded <laughs> by your father. <laughs> and then one day, Steve Roach crossed the line and patted Eddie Ward on the head. And then that mm. was the end of him, wasn't it? Yeah. He was, he was out. Yeah, that no, was, just that, um, was, that was the same Burgess like brain snap that was. <laughs> yeah. I just I still remember the controversy over that. It was that was the mm. worst thing you could ever do. Like, that was massive, eh? Yeah, what did he cop for that? Like he copped ages for that. I think. Well, the yeah. thing is, he had, he had two charges because <clears> when he came off the field, he actually spat at the ground near the linesman who pinged him for the penalty in the first place. Oh, okay, yeah. And so he got done for the spitting as well as the. Uh, yeah, as well as the, the patting on the head. I should try and find out how much that was. Yeah. It was in 1990, I know that much. It was against Manly. Oh, yeah. Oh. Wow. Yeah, I, I just, that was like, that was like almost a viral moment for rugby league. That was absolutely massive. I remember that. That was crazy. Like, yeah. they talked about that for like a week, which was a long time back then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, yeah, you think about that, don't you? Like um, some of the moments uh, over the years um, that have happened and if only social media was was happening. Like can you imagine um, what would have, would have happened for that uh, crossbar moment in the 89 green final? Yeah. That, that would have broke Twitter down, I reckon. That Like that was incredibly dramatic, yeah. Well, I, I always think about the uh, when they the Canberra Raiders dropped their the Winfield Cup off the back of the car on the highway and it smashed. And like, I just imagine the 57,000 different things that would have come out of that. Like they don't respect the competition and all this crap. It'd just be like, it would have gone on and on the whole off season. I was going to say, Steve Roach got five weeks for that. Is that all? Yeah. I thought it was too. It happened in round 16. He came back for round 22. 
Wow. There you go. So what would you get now? What do you reckon, say, a player does that now? Um, how many, how, I reckon they'd get well, 15. It's hard, it's hard to tell because you see they, they were given players one week for, you know, touching the referee, you know, to get them out of the way or something. You know, really innocuous, you know, really mm. innocuous sort of stuff there. They're just a gentle touch. Mm. So, oh, you get a week. They tap yeah. them on the head because it's, really, it's not really threatening. It's just being an arsehole, really. I don't yes, know if, if it would be too much different. It's, um, have they just, have they worked out um, Burgess's charge yet for the um, contrary conduct around the face? Have they worked that out yet? I think uh, he went straight to the judiciary, didn't he? I think, oh, okay, I think, so they're, I think they're meeting tonight, tonight aren't they? Oh, okay, so you got that. and you, So you compare that to tapping referee on the head. Like mm. Tapping referee on the head is just the worst thing ever. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, just, it's, it just doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah. No, nah, it's interesting though because I thought when they made that change, uh, I think it was it might have been last year where they said we're not going to address the referees up in pink anymore. I think that that was a subtly really good move because it it just there was something about the way that referees were getting treated, and it still look it still happens, but. I didn't. I don't think it helped that having them run out wearing pink, like there were three-year-old little girls. You know, it just didn't work well. Um, and so I was glad to see that change come in. What should that they is... wear to be a bit more dominant? Oh yeah. yeah, but that's what such if they a carried good point. A gun? <laughs> <laughs> like in Brazil, like in Brazil. No, was that in Brazil or Argentina, wherever it was? Oh, somewhere like... over there. So you're gonna get you're gonna get on side pretty fast, aren't you? Like you... he comes out with a Glock. <laughs> <laughs> I warned you once. Don't make me warn you again. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, so stop wearing pink and carrying machine guns, and you'll be sweet. Yeah. Or yeah. just like dress up as the ultimate warrior from the wrestling, like <laughs> giant shoulder pads with spikes on them and stuff. Face like paint. Too, yeah, you'd have to be ripped. Yeah. Yeah. They try and get ripped, some of those referees, don't they? Like, you see them with, like, big biceps and stuff. And, yeah. And you, what are you doing that for? You're a referee. Like, yeah. you know, they still, they still actually... only weigh 60 kilos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Luke Brooks, who looks bigger than him. Yeah. <laughs> no, you just – I don't get that. Like, when they zoom in on them and they do the bunker thing, mm. why has that bloke got arms? Like, yeah. you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> That's yeah, the one thing what... they don't need. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like my referees being fit and healthy. No, I like you them don't, to look do you? like they're old men that are like Rope Union has this down pat still because their their referees still look like math teachers. <laughs> that was it, wasn't it? And yeah. back in the day, they they did like you know Mick Stone. He was a he was he carried the look off brilliantly, didn't he? Mm. Like you know, bald moustache. He was good. Yeah, he was great. And Greg McCollum, I always liked him with the the big beard and a little bit of a belly on him. Yeah, yeah he he just he just looked like my dad. <laughs> Gavin Badger's trying to pull it off, so full credit to him. Yeah. yeah, but they're a bit they're a bit scrawny and fit. Yeah, it's not good. And I'm not I'm not slurring Greg McCollum. I thought he was one of the greatest refs we've ever had. But uh, I think I think more refs need to just have a few more pies. <laughs> And if yeah. they did that, there'd be a lot more respect, wouldn't there? Bloody oath. Bloody oath. Yeah. You get out there, you get a, get a grizzled look on your face. And don't have conversations with players. When they come up to you and they want to have a discuss something, you say, mate, I've made my ruling. All right, oh. go to your room. 
<laughs> what about the other day when um, oh, I forget which game it was. It might have even been the Penrith game against the Warriors. Maloney was trying to um, have a word to whoever, whichever referee it was, Sutton or whoever, and he said something like, um, "I'm the captain. You, you know, I want to I want to talk to you. You've you got to listen to me, or something like that." And and, and the referee said. No, I don't have to just because you're the captain. I don't have to. Like it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, yeah. It's just funny how the players think how it is, and 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 the referees think how it is. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like the when the referees have some some balls, basically, you know, and just tell the ref, tell the players go away. I like mm. that. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I, the other thing I like doing too is is defending the referees on social media because it just makes everyone get cranky. Like oh, they'll yeah. come out. You, they'll, every every game is there's some sort of rest fault going on. They'll go and they say, "Oh no, that was a good call." <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's, it was, it's it was great even when better you, last year. It's great when you throw a rock into the echo chamber and you can <laughs> hear it like bouncing off all the walls. Yes, and it's like the 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 one that I do is um because I go to a lot of footy um and I go to a lot of uh, Roosters games because I, I live live around there. Um, and I go to Roosters games, and knowing that the crowd is shit out, I, I know. And but I take pictures from angles to make it look like there's a, a good turnout. And yeah. then I, I post that on Twitter and say, "Good turnout here." And just the <laughs> and just the gronks who get back to me and say, "You're taking that from a, from an obscure angle." And then, and my thought is, "Well, you're looking at it from an obscure angle as well. Like exactly, you're, you're looking at it from front on. Like how's that any more?" How's my angle any more obscure to yours? Like, <laughs> I love doing it. It's just a guarantee. Yeah, it's like stirring up an ant's nest. It's really fun. Yeah. yeah. And you do it so calmly too. That just pisses people off even more. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I caught one bloke out once. Um, I was at a, a Titans-Roosters game at the SFS. I think it was two years ago. And, and the Roosters and the Titans had this weird stretch where they, every game they played – was it was raining it used to always rain and it was always on a monday night so you know at the roosters plus rain plus monday night and it was just guaranteed no one would turn up and so i'm there and i did the same sort of thing and this guy posted a picture of this bloke sitting by himself and um and i recognized that picture from the year before i said mate you're not even here that that picture's a year old and he just disappeared i don't know why (laughs) (laughs) Uh, remember, yeah, yeah. remember when uh, the Daily Telegraph took pictures of the uh, Roosters crowd during Super League and they counted everyone in the crowd to show that the ARL was fudging their um, attendance figures? Yeah, that was Penrith, wasn't it? It was um, Roger Cowan and Don Feltis and stuff. Oh, that's they, right. Yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Um, because at the time, Penrith were, Penrith were considered one of those clubs that was that were running close to the to the um I don't know well, I don't know what you'd call it the the uh, criteria and then it rained yeah. in Gosford and they were sweet <laughs> that's, that's right <laughs> poor North yeah poor yeah bears. but uh, yeah but uh, but yeah like uh, it annoy- I, I know that not everybody can get to the footy and someone like me can because I'm mobile and don't have that many away from away from work commitments but. Um, why put shit on the crowd if you're at at home watching it on TV? It's like yeah, complaining about the traffic when you're sitting in traffic. 
It's because it's fun, James. It's because it's fun. And the Roosters don't belong in the competition. They're a... They're the plaything of a rich man in the eastern suburbs. That's why yes. it is. <laughs> and, they, and they should be moved to Adelaide. Yeah. Yes. That's right. <laughs> Adelaide Roosters. And then we're, and, then, and, and what was it? The, the Sydney Rabbitohs. Yeah, the Sydney Rabbitohs. <laughs> that would just fire mean? everyone up. Was that, yeah. was that yeah, your idea? Was yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, I'd have, yeah. Yeah, have yeah. South come over and take over the Bondi region. They could just be the whole all of Sydney. <laughs> I like... Um, Last week, um, freaky when you were um, pretending. Oh, you had the CEO's job for the day. Oh yeah, that was oh, and in your first day, you do all these things. <clears throat> Jeez, I laughed when you. Um, I laughed because for all the right reasons yeah. that one of your first actions would be to um, buy out rugby union and oh, just yeah. shut it down. Yeah. No, um, no. My my idea was to keep it going. I was going to just buy buy into it, right? Buy it, basically. And just say to Raylene, Raylene, just keep doing what you do. You know, just keep doing it. Because that in itself will, yeah, take care of things. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) And any time a player wants to go to the High Court and sue the ARU or Rugby Australia, then that's not coming out of the Rugby League coffers, you know. (laughs) They're running themselves. If they can't afford it, then, you know, bad luck. (laughs) <laughs> oh, fantastic! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, just thinking of things, just thinking of things that uh, you say that upset people on Twitter, and I, I've done that once or twice. I used to say when Jamie Sauer played for the Panthers, I yeah. used to, I used to constantly say, like, because people would get on Jamie Sauer, and I used to just tweet, "Jamie Sauer's a better person than all of you people," and Jamie Sauer this year has earned more money than you lot will earn in a lifetime, and Jamie Sauer's going home in a luxury car today, just things like that, and people used to get so pissed off about it. It was fantastic. <laughs> and um, the modern Jamie Sauer is um, Nathan Cleary. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so you're not allowed to say anything positive about Nathan Cleary. Yeah. yeah, if you I, do, it, you're in Twitter jail. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. People find were that, going at me about Nathan Cleary, and I was like, I'm not part of the Clearies. I'm not a Cleary. Yeah. It's really weird. I find the interesting about Nathan Cleary though, because last year when the Tigers, there was that stupid rumor the Tigers were looking to poach him to try and keep Ivan Cleary as the coach there. A lot of Panthers fans saying, "You can't have him. That's not right." And then all, as soon as soon as Panthers form starts going down, oh, Cleary shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, aren't, aren't league fans the best? Yeah, they're awesome. Not fickle much. <laughs> yeah, it happens too when um, when the Tigers bring somebody on board, and then that they all they just become an immortal. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, and especially if that player comes from yeah one of the other Sydney clubs. Yeah. Then oh, how good is this? And it happened with um Maguire as well. Like when he came on. Everyone was bragging that, you know, oh, we've got a premiership coach, you know, what does Penrith have? And then, dead set, it was about a month ago, they were, yeah, yeah the, the discussion was whether Maguire should be sacked or not. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> holy shit, like, which is it? Yeah. So this is the thing, you've got to look at where the Tigers have always come from, because yeah. it's, it's usually always the worst place than what they've just done. <laughs> yeah, but it's funny though, isn't it? Like, y- your team is constantly in ninth. It's not as if it's constantly 14th or 15th. Like, things aren't really that bad at the Tigers ever no, on it, the field, it just, are they? It just never gets better. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and there's other clubs who buy certain players to 
make sure that's well and truly locked in as well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah look, I've always said yeah. the the one defining moment of the West Tigers was when um, we re-signed Bryce Gibbs for three years, and then a few months later we let him go to Cronulla, and Cronulla yeah. said, we'll only take him if you throw in Andrew Fafita as well. So West Tigers said yes, and then they went and bought Adam Blair. Oh, gosh. That's awesome. Just, that, just, that just typified how the West Tigers were run. Did, was, get, was Andrew Fafita at West, was he? Yeah, his first few years were at the Tigers. He didn't play first grade there for a few years. Forget um, that. Yeah. Everyone, he just came through the same time as Aaron Woods. And everyone knew Fafita was going to be gold. And shipped him off straight away. And the Sharks got Bryce Gibbs practically for free because the Tigers were paying for him. And they yeah. gave a big deal to, to Fafita. It was probably about 300 grand, I think. We were only paying him about 100. <laughs> yeah. And and the other one that always confuses me about the Tigers is um Josh Adokar. Like, mm. w- was there nobody in that club that knew that this guy was, if not at the time, he was going to fill out a little bit and get even faster and faster and more and more skillful. So, let, let you know, he's our Martin O'Fire for the next 10 years. Let, let's hang on to him. And, mm. and then he just went with Melbourne, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Cora Beatty was another one that did the same thing with him. God, that's right. <laughs> but at least she's got. At least she's got Shane Elford. It just seems of late <laughs> that these episodes tend to be turning into bit, you know, yeah. me complaining about how the Tigers are just <laughs> kicking the shit out of Andrew. It's like, what's it like to follow such a team? And yeah, it's it's. I try to. I try and not do that too often, but it just happens every episode, and it's I hard, do, we just fall to. into it. Hard to ignore. <laughs> yeah, I loved it when um in the lead up to that first Penrith West Tigers game, um where Penrith won nine eight, mm. and uh, they interviewed Mansour after the game, and he said, "Yeah, it was a long week. There's a lot of Ivan this week. Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah. So obviously the players notice all this chatter as well that's going on. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. the the one thing that happened too is when when Freaky broke the horrible news to me that Justin Potato had been retained by the Tigers mm. was it a week or two ago. Yeah, yeah. I said on the podcast, uh, this, you watch, it won't be long and we'll already be talking about Ivan Cleary again. And I, after the episode, I went and looked on the news website. So sure enough, there's an article there. His first day back and he's whinging about, oh, my relationship with Ivan Cleary is no good anymore. And, oh, God. he talks about he's, he's like a jilted ex-lover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it cuts deep, doesn't it? All this you, stuff. You betrayed me. This is the same bloke who didn't know whether he was sacked or resigned from Penrith in the first place. Yeah. That's genius. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, well. <laughs> next topic. <laughs> <laughs> what's, yeah, what's the next one? Uh, we've got Topo. Cause the, all right, let's talk about the kangaroo tours because I really only experienced probably one, and that, and I've talked to Andrew about this, and that was 1994. I credit 1994 for destroying my sleeping patterns as an adult because I would stay up and watch the kangaroo tour games on a tiny little uh, colour TV in my bedroom and loved it, absolutely loved it. Um, I don't know that you could bring back kangaroo tours as they used to be, especially the real old ones, but what do you you reckon about kangaroo tours? Could we have them back in some capacity? Um, You could, like, not obviously not the same as the, you know, three tests against Great Britain and three against France and, mm. and 14 tour games against clubs. Like, that would just be like a steamroller that goes through Britain, killing <laughs> killing all sorts of – all the enthusiasm of the towns. I'm like, back you know, in it. Oh, you just got me. I'm back on board. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. That sounds and, great. 
And that's the meaning of life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I don't know whether you... Oh, they, they keep talking about um, how impossible it would be from a time point of view, but, I mean, when you if you think about it, it players are used to flying, flying now, so you just go there, take a week to recuperate from the flight, and then you know, you've got enough players to play two or three midweek games, don't you? Like, yeah, I don't know. I'd love to see it back. I agree with you, Freaky. Yeah. It was yeah. a 40-man squad, I think, they used to name, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Oh, in, the old ones. in the older ones, yeah. I think the more modern ones were 30-man squads. Oh, okay. But you could go over there and have a... Because uh, you used to only have two men on the bench in the in the 90 tour. Um, so you could go over there with, with, with a yeah, essentially two full squads. Yeah. But the way you do it now is you do the same thing. You pick two full squads to go over, so 34 players that get named. And you go over there, instead of playing against all the club teams, because there's no point, that would be just you know carnage. Mm. Just have a straight go over and play against the other international sides: Wales, Scotland, Ireland. One against them. Play three against Great Britain. Play play a test against France, um, and then have the 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 ring in part of the side, even though they're still going to be miles above. See if they'll play one or two games against the other nations, like Italy or Greece or something like that, just to help you know help those areas out and get a bit of a bit of support out there and. You'd, you'd have a tour go a bit more global, so you could go from there across to um, US, play one or two games over there, and come down that way, play the Pacific Islands, and come home. It'd take a lot more time, but it'd be a bit more spread spread out, I guess. And you'd be playing just against international sides. Yeah, it'd be like using the yeah using the kangaroos as a um, real kind of promotional tool for for the game. Hey, like yeah. across the world, but that'd be great. Like. I used to love, um, like, my first Rue tour that I remember is 1986. And that was, oh, wow. Yeah, the, the second, um, well, I think they called them the Unbeatables because Invincibles was taken up by 82. But, yep. yeah, just um, I remember as a kid, I don't know why it mattered so much, but it was that last test. I think it was um, at Central Park um, at, at Wigan, and it was the last of the Tesco three. Tesco now. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tesco. I'm just yeah, regret not being able to go there. Like it would have been lovely ground, mm. but yeah, it was the last game of the tour, um, and Australia had to win it to yeah complete the undefeated tour again. And I don't know why, but I'm, geez, I've I still can't remember riding a result as much as as much as that one. Um, and and I think what it was was like now that now we could easily do it. Like you know the the gap has widened a little bit between Australia and Great Britain, but I think at the time. Like in the mid '80s, Australia wasn't what it is today. Like we we were like massive underdogs, and and you know we didn't have that much to do with the rest of the world as far as sport goes. So so achieving something like an undefeated tour, um, or undefeated kangaroo tour was just a massive achievement. Yeah, funny how things change. What a yeah. thrill! Somebody go through the Australian lineup for that game. Oh yeah, yeah. It, All right, just amazing. You talk about your. Your classic like Raiders teams of the of the mid nineties, but that that team was just an all star team, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You had uh, Gary Jack, Michael O'Connor, Brett Kenny, Gene Miles, Dale Shearer, Wally Lewis, Peter Sterling, Greg Dowling, Roy Simmons, Paul Dunn, Mal Meninga in the second row, Brian Niebling, Bob Lydon, and on the bench was Terry Lamb and Les Davidson. Yeah, that's just... <laughs> that does it, doesn't it? <laughs> that's uh. That's powerful. Everywhere in the park, that's just 
rock solid yeah. that is. And and the thing is too, like Lewis and Sterlo was such a good combination. Yeah. yeah. They just they would it was, it was like they were they grew up with each other. They they were just such a good um halves combo. Like yeah, it was terrific. Would have been great to see them playing like club level, see what sort of damage they could do to opposition side. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. And, and, and if you've got the page up, Fergo, look, what was yeah. Great Britain's team for that? Right. That, wasn't had, any, uh, that, that wasn't a bad side itself. That was really good. Like, yeah, no, this was pretty good too. They had uh, Joe Lydon, Henderson Gill, Gary Schofield, David Stevenson, John Basnett, Tony Myler, Andy Gregory, Kevin Ward, David Watkinson, Lee Crooks, Chris Burton, Andy Goodway, Harry Pinner, and Ian Potter was on the bench. Uh, it wasn't as good as I thought it was. <laughs> no, that, that a good uh, a good forward good. pack there. Yeah, and Andy Gregory half. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So here's a well, here's a question for two of yours, right? Because for some reason, people think I I just love bashing the palms. I don't know why. Um, it might have to do with the twenty years that I've been doing it. But who would you say are the top three British players you've seen play the game? Oh. You go first, Fergo. Um, All right. Ellery Hanley? Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. <laughs> it's a bit of a drop from Martin of Fire. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it dropped off pretty quick there. Gareth Ellis. Oh, really? You'd have Gareth Ellis? Yeah. Mate, he's wow. green at the wow. Tigers. I'm going to have some bias there. Wow. I'd go Gary Schofield, and and I know once you pick his game apart, like oh no, he just brought star power to to the game. I loved loved hearing his name, loved watching him. Yeah, um, Jason Robinson, I thought he was pretty pretty good. And who was that? Um, oh, and um, uh, the guy in the '87 Grand Final. Um, it wasn't Eddie Ward, was it? No, who who was the the pommy who flew over? About a week before the '87 Grand Final for Manly, oh, yeah, can't yeah, think yeah. of his name. Um, and he played in heatwave conditions in the '87 Grand <laughs> Final was that, at the SCG. Uh, yep, yep. Oh, he, uh, he was so good, I can't even remember his name. So there you go. <laughs> uh, um, sure. The forwards. Yeah, yeah. Was it Kevin Ward? Kevin Ward. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, that that bloke was. He was just like that. He just mongrel personified. He loved watching him. Yeah, and I'll, and players like Barry McDermott over the years. I, I, I liked like, Barry McDermott. I liked him. I thought he was a pretty pretty handy player. He, and he was like a he didn't he didn't feel the need to talk himself up either, which was great. He just went out there and played. It's kind of like I like James Lowe's as a hooker. I thought yep. he was another one like that, where it's like, you know, all these other players got talked up and Jimmy Lowe's would just go out there and just play pretty well. And I think he's the best um, British hooker that I've seen play the game. Um, but my my three would be Bobby Goulding, you know, my good friend, yeah. Bobby Goulding. I love Bobby Goulding. And he was yeah. the last half that really troubled Australia, where it, it was just he would do things and it was just that he was a pain in the ass to play against. Because he wouldn't do what you expected him to do, he was he was just you know difficult to play against. Um, Martin Offia, you you couldn't go past chariots, and mm. yeah, Hanley, that they'd be my three. There you go. So they have had some good players over the years, haven't they? Yeah, and Mackinson, obviously, 
um, world's best player <laughs> well, this year. Yeah. So, did he did he win that poll that you did the other day or? Um... He got I, edged out, hey. Yeah, oh. I think he got edged out. But then again, it was biased because it was mostly people who watch rugby league who voted in that. <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't want that. No. That, that. That was a problem we had there. <laughs> I love, I love the tension between, uh, yeah, in, um, Britain and Australia. Like, because because any bagging that we do, uh, we're, we're ignorant. But can you imagine how? Oh no, nah, you just can't imagine that comparison kenya like see this is where i built my empire right in trying to educate the poms on rugby league and so i like it started early when they'd say oh kieran cunningham's best player in the world and i was like what the hell are you lot talking about what about andrew johnson they're like no 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 it's kieran cunningham (laughs) he played 25 good minutes against australia in you know 2000 or something and it's like what are you talking about and they went on with that shit until he retired I used to say that um, Kieran Cunningham was my favourite morbidly obese player of all time, and they never used to like that. It was really <laughs> I d- didn't understand it because yeah, I think any time that you can like support a player with the solid D cup, it's fantastic. But um, <laughs> yeah, it just they they love players. Like I remember arguing about um, Stuart Field and was better than Shane Webke. And it's like, are you serious? And they were serious. I remember uh, Willie Peters was almost as good as Peter Sterling. That was another good one. Wow. Yeah, there was some brilliant... That's a good one. Yeah, there was some brilliant ones that they'd come up with. Uh, I remember um, remember Eddie Hemmings during the the final stages of a World Club Challenge. I can't remember who he was playing, but um, at, at the time they, you know, they named the Golden Boot. And Kevin Sinfield um, mm. um, just beat out Billy Slater. Mm. And, uh, yeah, our, our league world just went into meltdown over it. And Eddie Hemmings was going into meltdown over that, saying, you know, you, the Australians have no respect for the British game at all. And, yeah, I don't know who you'd Yeah, buy. that's right. If, if you're down that. to your last eight or 900 grand and you had to choose between Sinfield and Slater, I don't know yeah. what way you'd go. Yeah. Well, you'd have well, to go well, with Sinfield because Slater would cost more than 800 grand. <laughs> I actually, when that happened, I I said some things. I can't remember what it was on, whether it was a forum on my web. I think it was my website. Yeah, it was my website. And ended up that getting picked up in like the Daily Mail or the Mirror or something over there. And that I was in that about three different times for the stuff I was saying about it. And uh yeah, just craziness, absolute craziness. And But the thing about that was you could see them building up to it. Like they started calling him Sir Kev about halfway through the season, and it was yeah. really fake. It was like, what what's going on here? And they were talking about how great he was. And, yeah, they bestowed it upon him at the end of the year, and it kind of made sense what had been happening the previous few months. And, yeah, man, it's some crazy shit. i got a, I've got a question for you. Mm. You you gotta pick one for your team. Is it Sir Kev or King Gutho? Oh damn. Uh, we need to find out where these two are ranked and this is gonna this is the this is the decider. Is is Sinfield wasn't bad, was he? He was really good. He was yeah. palm. He was palm. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. I forgot one vital uh, parameter. That, that, yeah, that's, that's the main bit of information. No, look, he, <laughs> he, was, he was good. I, I myself would pick would pick Sir Kev. Which one? Yeah. Well, yeah. 
Yes. I think you're going to get more value for money out of Sir Kev. You know what, Great Britain? You can get stuffed. I'd take Gutherson. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Parramatta fans. I've helped you out a little bit there. Wow. That's that's amazing. So yeah. you've chosen Wally Lewis over Kevin Sinfield. Yep. Yeah. I'm going oh. with New South Wales' Wally Lewis, Mr. 18th Man, over Kevin Sinfield. Definitely, 100%. I'm writing down this episode number. Uh, at least, at least, bloody Gutherson has played first grade football. Hey, mm. even though he, even though according to you, he shouldn't that's, have even played one minute yeah, of first grade. That's right. Exactly. It's exactly. debatable that he's played it, but yeah. I'm going to interview him in the mag, and I'm going to, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to email you the feature, and you can pin it up on your wall. <laughs> you know, I'm going to print it off and do all sorts of things out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy I really there's part of like I had my followers yesterday saying they hope that he comes into the into the New South Wales team just to hear me have a meltdown over Gutherson and it's like yeah my, my followers they're absolute pricks <laughs> but as you said you're actually saying that you'd love to see it <laughs> it would be it would be pretty funny actually well let's see yeah. it's going to be great for podcast ratings it will. Because <laughs> it's going to happen. He's, he's 18th man now, isn't he? He's, uh... Yeah, they've, they've said that, uh, well, I've seen rumours suggesting that um, if if Cleary isn't ruled fit by Thursday, then Gutherson is the person to replace him. Oh, far out. Like, yeah, I mean, it was between really? him or Pierce. Oh, they're not, not going to give Townsend. They're going to give Gutho a go over Townsend. Yeah, that's my thoughts exactly, mate. Oh. <sighs> Oh, I know I love Parramatta. Like I supported them when I was a real little kid, and uh, yeah. So this isn't a Parramatta criticism, but yeah, geez, they go nuts over him, don't they? As, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, they love him. Yeah, too much. Yeah. I think um, that sort of that sort of um, worshiping of a player, though, like that can be pretty healthy for a fan base. Like as far as getting involved in the game, like there has to be somebody who is leading, you know, the, the charge on and off the field. Like, you need, as a fan base, you need Gutho. Like, you know, he, he's their hero, even though a lot of people in the outside world don't even rate him. Mm-hmm. Apart from him, there's nobody else at Parramatta who, who you know, there's no there's no other Sturlo sort of thing. Like, for, at the moment, for, for Parramatta, it's, it's Gutho. I, I think mm-hmm. that's why they, they really rate him, I think. Yeah. I think that... Uh... It can be unhealthy too as well, though. Like, if I look at someone like the Canberra Raiders and they'll go on and on about, like, some of their players and they've done this for years and years. Oh, he's a great bloke. He's a great bloke. And it's like, yeah, but he's the reason why you keep losing over and over again. And they just keep worshipping these losers. It's like sometimes you've got to have players that, you know, they're not the friendliest blokes in the world, but they can actually win games and kick goals when it matters and play defence. Yeah. There's what are you talking about there? <laughs> I don't know. It's just random players, wow. you know? Just yeah. randoms. <laughs> but, um, oh, sorry, yeah, I, I did forget him when I was reading about Gutho, didn't I? Yeah. But, but like, those sort of players to clubs like Para, who, mm. yeah, operate on the hero worshipping kind of legend status type thing that those those players um really they sell tickets and membership and stuff 
Mm. It's, it's funny. It's funny watching Parramatta from the outside now, like, and and how their little world operates. Because um, mm-hmm. there's you go out, you go to Bankwest. There's heaps of gutho this and gutho that. Like he, he yeah, he's he's like Tim Manor. Like he's one of their main symbols. So yeah, mm. it's it's yeah. funny the value the value that he has. Oh yeah, just shows as well. Just shows you what happens when Bevan French is injured. You bring up someone from reserve grade and you call him the king and then give him 650 grand and say he's the next Wally Lewis. Uh, brilliant. I'm going to stop talking about this. So. Yeah, I'm drunk. on the roll. It'll be like three yeah. hours later, I'll still be talking about it. We won't even be recording anymore. Very good. Mm. Poor old so. What else have we got in here? Okay, what about one referee versus two? Uh, two. Yeah, two. I like two. Yeah, yeah just, yeah. Um, you know, it's just another set of eyes, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I don't yeah. see... The thing that's happened with refereeing, okay, is that the refereeing standard, in my opinion, has barely changed. It's just the, the, the expectations of fans has, and I don't mm-hmm. know why. Mm-hmm. Like for years, we had had referees making mistakes, and then all of a sudden, when two referees turned up, they went right. They're now going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, no, they're still making the same mistakes as before. They're not making as many because there's two eyes there. They're still going to yeah. make mistakes. They're human. It's and and the thing is though with with today's um, environment and and world and technology and stuff, you can see referees' mistakes in super high def now. So mm-hmm. yeah, you can just see it, see it better. Like you know, we can even zoom in on on players who have knocked the ball like like not on but into a, an opposition player. So we can we can even pick that up. And if a referee has missed that, then we're going to be super critical of that. Yeah, now, like they're blind. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the best one is when the the commentators blow up, um, and then when they watch the the uh, replay. It's like, oh yeah, good decision there. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 <laughs> well, so they, get the, they get the rules wrong. Like they they're arguing about something, and the rules are completely wrong that they're saying. Like there was there was one, I think it might have been last year, and Peter Sterling was blowing up, but then he was describing a scenario that actually didn't happen on the field, and it's like you're arguing about a fictitious event that didn't occur, Sterlo, and blaming the referee. Like what the hell? <laughs> It's up there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. The funny thing is, it's, it's not it's not the uh, professional commentators who are uh, making a lot of these blobs. It's people who've played the game, you know, hundreds of games, mm. who should know the rules. They've played it often enough. Mm. Yeah, you hear Brayton Astor and Corey Parker, the Kings, for bloody rest faulting all the time during games. Oh, what's he doing? What's that decision? He's made it absolutely all right. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Move on. <laughs> yeah, what do you do? Yeah. All right, we got we got one more one here that we could probably talk about. Saturday afternoon games on the ABC with Johnny Peard. Yeah, that was that was gold, wasn't it? Like, yeah, you, you get all your playing done outside, like whatever you got had to do, you know. And then, like three o'clock was it was gold. I remember um, watching this absolute non-event game. It was down at Wollongong Showground. It was about nineteen eighty-nine or whatever. Um, the Raiders, the Raiders, and the Steelers, and it was just—it was like Warren Boland and um, Debbie Spillane, and on, like on the sideline, and uh, who was who was the main the main caller after um, David Morrow? 
there, there was one that came after David Morrow, and he was a ABC legend. I, 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 oh. It was like it was the voice of um, ABC Grandstand, and then he um, had a stint, had a stint on TV. But those voices were the like that was oh, the like uh, iconic of the era, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Wilson, yeah, I know that. Um, Peter, Peter, someone? Yeah, not not Peter Wilson, was it? Um, Wilkins. Uh, Peter Wilkins. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was that him? And anyway, they'd be, they'd have a um, a passage of play, and there'd be a knock on, and like and knock ons, you know, um, at times happening, you know, when when a team gets a head of steam up, and and there's all this happening, and then it'd be, and he's knocked it on. <laughs> that was great. I used to I love that. I think that was Peter Wilkins. I used to remember him doing that an awful lot. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. He'd like he'd be writing each and every play, and he'd get really excited. And yeah, I used to love that about him. But yeah, yeah that was that, that was gold, gold, wasn't it? Three o'clock Saturday afternoon. Yeah. I used to love the really subtle, um, blunt sort of comedy that went on between Pierre and Beetson on the sideline. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just have little one-liner quips against with one another all the time. It was brilliant to watch. And, and it was this... always. No, exactly. There's none of that sort of uh, crazy antics that go on now where you've got players trying to explain every single play that's gone on that you've just seen with your own eyes. You see yeah. a bit with Fatty, though. Like, Fatty's still got it. He's still. I really enjoy listening to Fatty commentate because he'll still come up with some stuff that's pretty funny. But, uh, but, yeah, you don't see it too often now. They're all just trying to be, you know, super analytical about the game and most of them can't do it, like, Seriously, most of them can't do it, which is kind of weird because, you know, the former players, most of them. I think the best one at the moment is Billy Slater. I think he's, I think he's the best color commentator that there is. I think he's yeah. fantastic. He really breaks down the game so well. Yeah, and you got like blokes like Cronk on um, Fox, who are super analytical. That's yeah, um, and they actually know what they're talking about, mm. and they know how to present that information properly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually like yeah. listening to. Um, There's a little video that came out on Twitter when just before Origin Two, and it showed showed Andrew Johns talking to Nathan Cleary about where you know how to put in a grubber and things like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was very insightful. I thought, how come we've never heard Joey talk like that during a game? Yeah, because the Channel Nine audience on a Friday night isn't really the the sort of arena for it, is it? Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've been working all week. I've got my beer and pizza just throw the footy on and and tell me one or two facts that's all i want i don't want i don't want to know you know a, a and b defenders and all that sort of stuff on a friday night it's it's too much i think yeah, see I'm, like phil used to be great at it but these days he you know he talks about like he gives shout outs and things like that and it's a little <laughs> bit random now from gus he's just he does the same sort of prep work I do for this podcast. He just turns up, you know, and says whatever and leaves. It's great. Well, mate, when you've got the runs on the board for people like you, you can do that, can't you? Well, it, as a commentator and a rugby league expert, sometimes you just got to phone it in. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Hope the bloke that you're with actually does, does some of the legwork for you. Yeah, it'd be good, you know. Yeah. It'd be great, Andrew, if that happened. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, man. 
Well, I, I want to thank Samuel James Bayless for sending us that list because we've got so much out of that list. That's been fantastic. So um, thank you, Bartram13 on Twitter. Fantastic. Yeah, that's your next co-host. Yeah, we'll yeah. We worry about getting co-hosts in because they overshadow us. <laughs> no. No. Well, now you're doing a terrific job, boys. And uh, how, how's the magazine going, mate? Inside Sport? Yeah, good. Um, we've got a really. Oh, um, so we've got our um, our uh, July issue on sale still. That's that's the one with Munster on the cover, and I'm hoping for a um a, a big game three from him, just so it mm-hmm. makes us look good. So <laughs> yeah, he was a little bit quiet in in game two, but yeah, there's, there's lots of good stuff in there. There's um, yeah, like something for everybody. So yeah, you, you you'll see it on the newsstand. It's it's a big, bright orange one with uh, Munster on the cover. And each news agent I, I go into, I've been pulling it out from wherever it is in a newsstand and putting it on top of all the other magazines. So, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I do sure the same that. with my book whenever I go to the library. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, you should. It's like, like the law of the jungle, isn't it? You got to, yeah, you got to do these things. <laughs> exactly yeah. right. I mean, it's it's going good. Um, our um, August edition is on sale next week, and it's um. Yeah, got a really good story about um, – it's an AFL cover, but it's a really poignant social issues cover. So I'm really excited as to how that's going to be received, yeah. Oh, that'll be interesting. Yeah. You'll yeah. see what that's all about. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to give anything away because, um, yeah, it's um, – yeah, I'm re- really excited about that one. Yep. Yep. People should subscribe and you know, to the magazine and then they can get it and find out for themselves. That's right. Not like um, – you know, you, you post on Twitter and then it's behind a paywall and then com- people complain that they can't see it because there's a paywall. It's like, oh, you, you're firing up because you can't read this story for free. Like, yeah, okay. Because because for some reason in their own mind, news used to be free, even though you used to have to pay a dollar fifty for the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, you never used to go to the news agent and they just gave you the paper, did they? No. <laughs> That's right. News has always yeah. been free, except for all of those times I had to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's just yeah. So anyway, it's, it's out there, and hopefully people will keep buying the mag and keeping it going. It's, it seems to be going all right so far, so all good. Yeah, it's one of the ones that are, are worth keeping because it's really got a place in Australia sport. That it, there's there's not really a magazine like it in Australian sport, and or even a place where you can get so many different sporting like it, it's not so much opinions, but just to look at the sports people themselves and their backgrounds and some of their stories and the stories you just don't hear about anywhere else. Um, that's what I have always loved about Inside Sports. So, yeah, everyone get out there, pick up a copy and, yeah, subscribe to it. It's one of the ones that are worth subscribing to. Okay, and it's free of muckraking too. That's the other good thing. Yeah. You should get proper journalism in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it's always prided itself on that. So, yeah, and this is... Yeah, we we yeah, we can't write clickbaity stuff. It doesn't work. It no. just doesn't. It's like yeah, it, it it just doesn't work. So we just keep doing what we do and um, keeps throwing it out there and yeah, as a last bastion of long form sports journalism. <laughs> mm, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alrighty, well you can catch uh, James Smith on Twitter at James Smith one thousand and one with all my snarky comments about everything. I can't believe there's been a thousand James Smiths on Twitter before you, though. 
Yeah, there was. Yeah. Are we <laughs> pronouncing that right, by the way, James Smith? <laughs> yeah. You are. You are. You're, you're very worldly. Yeah. Excellent. Um, I started I, I'm, as a bit of a joke when I was signing up to Twitter. I thought, imagine. Yeah, I'm going I'm to do this for fun. I know I've got a very common name, and I think I got up to about thirty or forty. And I thought, no, nah, I better just go with a thousand and one just to, <laughs> to be sure. And then, yeah, I, I must have just scraped in with that one. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought it might have been a, a feel good thing. Like you'd made a few comments. And you, that's just that's how many accounts you've deleted and started up every time <laughs> yeah. you got sick of Twitter. Oh, that's good. Well, my, my um, the, the former editor of Inside Sport, Jefferson Tenera, he signed up to Twitter just after me, and and he called himself Jeff Sent one thousand and one just to keep the tradition yeah. going. <laughs> That's hilarious. I remember the yeah. person that used to own uh, at Penrith Panthers, and they had it before the club did. Really? And, uh, yeah, yeah. And I, they used to run it as the Penrith Panthers one, and then they said, oh, we're going to hand this back to the club, and I'm going to touch them. And I said, sell it to them. Sell it, sell it, sell it. It's worth so much to them. And they're like, no, nah, I'm just a fan and that. And I was thinking, man, maybe I should buy it off them first. But, yeah, they just handed it over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, God. and then it's, some of the clubs, yeah, some of the clubs have, have underscore whatever it is, mm-hmm. so you can tell that that's what's happened to them as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you go to Salford uh, RedDevils.co.uk, yeah, you see what happens sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a carrot for people. Mm. Um, Wonder who owns that one? Yeah. Um, oh also, I see you. You said you're getting the uh, the Dead End Gold podcast fired up again. Yeah, because um. I'm just a bit jealous of all your work and, and the work of a lot of other podcasts Stop it. out there. So, yeah. Stop it. We love not jealousy, that though. Not that I haven't. <laughs> I, I've subscribed to all these podcasts like yours and uh, This Week in League and Regularly mm-hmm. Digest, and they all pop into the browser every week, and mine's not there. So, no. I've, um, I've, I've taken about six months to settle into the editor role. It's, it's a lot of work, um, and it just... I just thought, well, you know, I sat down of all the things I have to do with the role and the podcast was kind of a cherry on top that I took away a little bit. But, yeah, now, now that I've settled in a little bit more, I can maybe concentrate on um, on uh, on that again. I'm chasing um, uh, the Canberra Raiders player, Alan Tung, this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's, in, he's got a really important role with the NRL, so I'd like to have a yarn with him and... So hopefully that'll be out um, this week on air and in, in the mag in, in some form, and I'll just go from there, see who I can, yeah, see which legends I can catch up with. Should be good. It must be good that when you can like uh, almost fold the different things together to a certain extent um, with the the outlet that you've got there at Inside Sport, where you can do a story and then do a podcast and and that sort of thing. Yeah, that, that that's what makes it worthwhile because otherwise I'm just. It's sort of because I'm doing it in work hours. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm doing a podcast in work hours and it's not going to be in the magazine, it's sort of taking the piss a little bit. It's like saying this is how much time you've got at work. Like you can even just yeah do a podcast on top of putting the mag out, and mm-hmm. and, and that was true in a way. In, in a way, but I just ran out of time. Like when I uh, in that, in that first six months of the year, I'd, I was settling into things and. Because you've got to work out budgets and, and all that kind of thing, and but I think I'm on, on top of it now. So I'll, I'll see um I'll see how long it lasts anyway with with the weekly stuff. If I disappear, you'll know why. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can yeah. take over anytime you want, mate. 
yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give you some numbers and you can ring up legends and uh, yeah, chat to them for me. <laughs> yeah, well, we promise we won't swear to keep the content good. I'm sorry. I can't <laughs> okay. do this. These conditions, too much for me. <laughs> Freaky. What'd you, fucking, what'd you fuck that try up in the yeah. 89 grand final? Do you feel bad about that? <laughs> What's it like to be a piece of shit off the field? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, very good, boys. We'd pump a few episodes out if we do, let's do it that way. <laughs> yeah. A few five-minute episodes. Yeah, we'll have 30 of them done every day. <laughs> <laughs> they go, this is easy. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, all good. All good. Well, thanks for, thanks for popping in, James. It's always a uh, great to have oh. you around. You're great to chat with. Yeah, no, it was so fun, boys. It was, yeah, I love, love talking about footy and the old stuff and, and the new stuff that isn't working. Lots of fun. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, and um, being a co-host now, we'll get you on sometime down the line as well when you've got a bit of spare time up your sleeve. Yeah, that'd be good, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, after, after deadline's a good time. It's when I'm positive about life and everything again, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah, terrific. Th- thanks heaps, boys. Thank you. No worries. And uh, on that lovely note, we'll, uh, we'll uh, say goodbye. So uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone, and we'll catch you next time.